Good morning. My name is Justin, and we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph this morning from the book of Genesis. And we'll be learning some lessons from him this morning. The story of Joseph in Genesis is one of my absolute favorites. His story has so many twists and turns and teaches us so many things. This morning, I want to dive in together uh, to the story of Joseph and look at three qualities that he exemplifies in some tough parts of his story. We'll take a look at what patience look lo looks like, how self-control played in his story, and how forgiveness was given. Joseph is an awesome example for us to follow, and I want to start off by reading uh, from Genesis chapter 37. We're going to read verses 2 through 11. That's Genesis 37, verses 2 through 11. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, and his, his father's wives. And he brought their, fa their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He, he said to them, Listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheath rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what they had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I have another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told this, his, his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. In this passage, we hear a couple dreams that Joseph had. More than that, we hear that Jacob loved Joseph more than the rest of his sons. That is an important part of this story, because a large part of Joseph's troubles came to him because of his father loving him more than the rest of his sons and making it evident. And why is Joseph his dad's favorite son? Well, because he was born to him in his old age. And Jacob really did go over the top. A richly ornamented robe. I mean, come on. But Joseph didn't help his case any with his brothers. He was one of those people who didn't know when to stop talking. He told two dreams both of which how he would be ruling over his brothers, and the second even included his mom and his dad. This seemed crazy to all of them because he was only a 17-year-old kid. His mom and his dad would have been way older, and his brothers would have easily been adults. It seems a bit boastful to me. But what his brothers felt for him was extreme hate. They hated him so much that they were willing to act on it. And so the story begins with Joseph needing to go check on his brothers, who were tending his father's herd. Now the brothers were already really ticked at Joseph, and when they saw him coming, they began to conspire. 
Let's kill him and throw him into the cistern. We can say that an animal devoured him. That seems pretty extreme, and actually one of his brothers, Reuben, thought so too. He said, we don't want his blood on our hands. That's not something we want to live with. Let's just throw him into the cistern, and we'll figure it out from there. Now only one verse talks about this act, but they stripped his robe off, and they threw him in the cistern. Another brother spoke up as the group of travelers were coming by. Judah said that we'll gain nothing if we kill him. Quick, let's sell him to these travelers. So that's what they did. They sold their brother as a slave to these traders for 20 shekels. Does anyone know how many dollars 20 shekels is? It's about $200 in today's money. But think about it. The value his brothers placed on him was so low. There shouldn't be enough money in the entire world to sell a brother of yours. People are invaluable. But now Joseph is in the hands of a slave trader. His brothers made his disappearance look like animals killed him. And his father was devastated. If we go back to Joseph's situation, you know, if you know the story, it gets way better and then a whole lot worse for him. He gets sold to a guy named Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials in Egypt. We'll talk about that story in a minute, but let's just say that he was put in Egyptian jail because of a false accusation. Two years he was in prison, but hope was coming. Do you remember back at the beginning of the talk when what Joseph did to get to have his family get really mad at him? Well, not only did he have dreams, but God gave him the ability to interpret other people's dreams. And the most important one being Pharaoh's dreams. And Pharaoh had two dreams, one of cows and one of grain. Seven ugly, skinny cows were eating seven fat, healthy cows. And seven bad shoots of grain swallowed up seven good shoots of grain. Pharaoh had no idea what these dreams meant. But he knew that it scared him. So Joseph was called up to interpret these dreams. And he said that these dreams represented seven years each. Seven good years of harvest where you will have plenty of food. And seven bad years of harvest where there will be a famine. Joseph said that this would be happening very soon. Because Pharaoh knew this interpretation was true. He made Joseph second in command in all of Egypt. Joseph had to have so much patience in his journey because everything was out of his control. God was guiding every single step that he took. He could have been killed. He was sold into slavery not once, but twice. He was falsely accused and put in jail for two years. And then was put into a high position because of something that God allowed to happen to him. How could he have had patience through all of those times? And you know, maybe he wasn't patient every single moment. He is human after all. And you know, two years is a very long time to wait to just see what's going to happen next. But then an opportunity arises for Joseph to do something that God gifted him with. The difference we see in Joseph is that he trusted that God had everything in control. When that is what you believe, patience is a natural byproduct. 
Patience means you don't force anything to happen, but trust that the right thing will happen in God's timing. And we see that in Joseph's life. Some really bad stuff happened to him, all at the hands of people who were not following God. But then God used those times to give him the position in Egypt that he would have not been able to get on his own, even if he tried. Patience is most often viewed as waiting. But you know, it's more than that. It's anticipating. If you're following God and waiting for him to do something, maybe you need to check if you're trusting him in the pause. Because God seeks contentment in the pause. And contentment produces patience. Be patient and let God do what he needs to do in you during the pause. But make sure that if he asks you to do something in that time, that you do it. You may find that your patience has paid off. So let's go back to the part of the story that I skipped over earlier. When Joseph was sold for the second time, he was bought by a guy named Potiphar. Potiphar lived, uh, Joseph lived in Potiphar's house, and, and Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him, and that he was successful in everything that he did. Because of that, Potiphar put him in charge of his, of his own household and entrusted everything to him that he owned. God allowed everything that Potiphar had to prosper because of Joseph. And everything seemed to be going very well for Joseph until Potiphar's wife entered the picture. Now, Joseph was in his early 20s, well-built and handsome, and Potiphar's wife took an interest in him. She asked him to get a little closer than, was than what was appropriate, but Joseph quickly refused. He said that your husband has entrusted everything he owns to me, and he has withheld nothing from me except you. By giving into what you have asked, I would be sinning against him and against God. Day after day, the same ask came to Potiphar's wife, uh, to Joseph. And day after day, Joseph said no. Until one day, when Potiphar's wife took it too far, Joseph was attending his chores, and Potiphar's wife noticed that no other household servants were inside. She grabbed him by his cloak and asked him to come away with her. Joseph, being very smart and knowing the situation that he was in, quickly took off his cloak and ran away. Then Potiphar's wife turned the whole story around and called her servants to come quickly. She said that Joseph has come to make a sport of me. He tried to get a little too close to me, and I would have nothing of it. I screamed, and he ran off, leaving his cloak behind. And then Potiphar came home from work. His wife told him everything that had happened. Well, he, she told him the lie version. And Potiphar burned with anger and put Joseph in jail. Joseph showed extreme self-control in his instances as well as other situations that we've already talked about in his story. You know, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Your boss asks you to run an errand for him. Do you use a bit of that time for personal use or do what you what's asked of you and return promptly? Honoring your boss and practicing self-control is wise. Someone close to you does something that hurts you. They deserve some kind of revenge, so you think, the right and honoring thing to do is what you do. Seek reconciliation. 
But Joseph also showed self-control in the way he responded to all of this bad stuff that's happening to him. Scripture does not say that he fought back or threw insults or forcibly changed the situation. Now, I'm sure that there was some screaming and some trying to get away. That's all natural when you're trying to be forced to do something that you don't want to do. But self-control was displayed through Joseph. Self-control means that you don't impulsively act or react to things. It means you put thought, prayer, and patience into decisions. And I would even go as far as to say that self-control is one of the primary foundational qualities a person should have. Self-control helps us see the past, the temporal, to the eternal. Joseph was able to see past his current situations and know that God was with him and would help him through it. He also knew that God would give him strength to make good choices and reflect self-control. So it's important that we practice self-control in every situation we face, because you never know what God is going to do with the bad or less than ideal situation. So let's pick back up, pack, pick our story back up uh, when Joseph was second in command in all of Egypt. Remember that Pharaoh had those two weird dreams that Joseph interpreted for him. They represented seven years of abundant harvest and seven years of famine in the land. Joseph was put in charge of collecting enough food for the seven years of abundance so that it would sustain the people through the seven years of famine. It was awesome that God would allow Joseph to interpret those dreams for Pharaoh and then prompt Pharaoh to put him in charge of the food collection. You'll see why in a minute. Joseph's family back home, who thought he was dead, or at least hoped so, was out of food. Jacob told his sons to go to Egypt because they were out of food and they needed some. But Joseph's younger brother did not go. When the brothers came to Egypt, they were put before Joseph to ask for food. Joseph recognized them immediately, but the brothers did not. He didn't let them know it was him, and Joseph spoke harshly to them, saying that they were spies coming in to scoop their land. They told him they were just here to buy food, that they are 12 sons, the youngest is not here, and one is no more. Joseph. Just think how Joseph must have felt in that moment. He told them that you bring the youngest brother back with you, but one of you must stay here until you come back so that I can, I can verify that what you're telling me is true. The brothers thought they were being punished because of their actions toward Joseph. But Joseph wept for them. He gave them grain and without them knowing, put their money back in their sack. They returned and the famine grew worse. And they were out of food again. Jacob told the brothers that you have to return to Egypt to buy more food. They said the man in charge told us not to return to the land without our younger brother. So reluctantly, Jacob sent them on their way with their younger brother, Benjamin. They took their best gifts to Joseph, hoping that nothing bad would happen to Benjamin. When they arrived, Joseph ordered them to be taken to his house for a feast. This made the brothers very scared. Why would this harsh man want to feed us with a banquet meal? 
They thought it was because of the money that they found in their bags. He is sure to attack us. They told the attendant about the money, and the servant said that their God provided for them and that they have received all that they need for the cost of the food. When Joseph arrived, they presented him the gifts that they brought, and Joseph asked them about his father. They told him about how the old man was doing, and this made Joseph weep even more. After he got himself together, they ate, giving Benjamin five times as much food as the rest. Can you tell that Benjamin is Joseph's favorite brother? As they were ready to leave, the brothers' bags were to be filled with grain, but Joseph gave instructions to the attendant to put a silver cup in Benjamin's bag. So soon after they left, Joseph told the attendant to go after them to ask this question. Why have you repaid good with evil? As they caught up to them, they asked the question and said, If the silver cup is found in anyone's bag, that person will become Joseph's slave for stealing it. The cup was found in Benjamin's bag. They returned to Joseph, pleading that another one of them stay and Benjamin be let go. If we return without Benjamin to our father, he will die. At that word, Joseph could not stay hidden any longer. I am Joseph, he said, weeping loudly. Joseph told them that it really is him and that God allowed all of these things to happen to him so that he could go ahead of them and preserve them. He told them to go and get his dad and bring him to Egypt because the famine was going to last another five years. When the news reached Pharaoh that Joseph's brothers were in Egypt, he made all kinds of provisions for Joseph's family, including new clothes, parts to bring all of their possessions to Egypt, and a promise for them to stay there and be protected from the famine. When they reached Jacob, he was stunned, but was convinced and opted to go. After Jacob died, Joseph's brothers were still afraid that he would do something to harm them for all that they have done to him. Joseph said this to them in Genesis 50, 19 through 21. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done in the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid, and I will provide for you and your children. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You know, forgiveness is a powerful thing. It's a choice we all have. We need to extend it, and we need to receive it. Extending forgiveness is what Joseph showed his brothers in this part of the story. Through all the stuff he went through, all because of his brothers sold him into slavery, he still chose to forgive them. And all throughout the story, it said that he was with God. And he was following God, and God was with him. Even psychology says that when we choose to truly forgive someone else for the wrong they do in our lives, we are medically healthier for it. Not just emotionally and spiritually, but medically. There is something to this forgiveness thing. But it's not easy to forgive someone who has really hurt you. That person who abused you, 
the person who constantly makes you feel two inches tall, or that person who never says a kind word to you. What we must know is that God never needs forgiven. He always has our best interest in mind and never does anything or says anything that would involve us needing to forgive him. He loves us with an unconditional love that is so pure and so strong that nothing, nothing even remotely compares to it. When we don't forgive, though, we become bitter. And you know who was bitter in Scripture? The Pharaoh that Moses dealt with in Exodus. Scripture constantly says that his heart, his heart was hard. It means he could feel nothing and cared about nothing. When we have a soft heart, we let God help us. Uh, help us make the choice to forgive because we love the people we are connected with above all else. And we want to forgive as God forgives. It says in Matthew that we should forgive 70 times 7, meaning we should always be forgiving. It needs to be a part of who we are, a quality of ours. The forgiveness that Joseph shows is a great example for us to follow. So this morning we talked about three qualities that we see in Joseph. We saw that he was patient. He went through all kinds of bad things. Things that would make me want to try and take action on and try to change. But we don't see that with Joseph. We see him trusting that God would take care of him and his situations. But patience is not something that's easily to have. It's easy to have. Especially when things aren't going the way we want them to. We see Joseph display self-control, too. When Potiphar's wife asked him to come a little too close, he chose to respect his master over giving in to the request, showing great self-control. We can have self-control, too. And this should be one of the foundational qualities we have because many other qualities play off of self-control. It's looking beyond the in-the-moment gratification and towards the eternal satisfaction that awaits or will come later. Then we see Joseph extend forgiveness. His brothers did a horrible thing to him, and all Joseph could do is forgive them and say that what you intended for harm, God intended for good. Forgiveness is not agreeing with what they did. Obviously, that's wrong, but it's choosing not to hold what they did against them and to view them as if it did not happen. I want to give you a challenge this morning as we leave. Which three do you need to work on the most? Patience, self-control, or forgiveness? Which of those three do you need to work on the most? Patience, self-control, or forgiveness? I pray that God speaks to you guys very clearly about the qualities he wants you to develop. He wants you to constantly better yourself. And sometimes that involves a little bit of pushing and a little bit of vulnerability, but I pray that you're open to it. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Joseph and his story. Thank you for the patience he showed, the self-control, and the forgiveness that he offered to his brothers. God, if you see fit, prompt us this morning with what you need us to work on. Maybe we need to be a little more patient. 
Maybe self-control is something we need to work on. Maybe we need to forgive someone or ourselves. Got to be very clear to us and speak to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for meeting with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. May you have a blessed morning.